Talking about the things that matter most to you. Today's Catholic Women. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris McGruder is underwritten by Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, a licensed representative of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa, cindyschulte.com, and Fred Haas. Over 30 years helping injured Iowans recover losses from accidents and work-related injuries. Fred Double D, Haas Double A. Good morning. Welcome to Catholic Women Now. This is Chris McGruder. Julie Nelson is gone today, our co-host. She is uh, at a fun, silent retreat, if you can believe that. But I have my good friend and psychology professor, Marilyn Jerome, in here. She and her husband practice natural family planning, so I've asked her to be a part of our conversation on Humana Vitae today. She is going to be with us, as well as Adam Story, who's going to be in. He's the director of Marriage and Family in our diocese, and he's going to help us discuss this 50th anniversary of that beautiful encyclical written by Pope Paul VI called Humana Vitae, and talk a little bit about natural family planning. So we're going to have a great show. Stay tuned. Hope some of you guys might even text in today, um, 223-1150, and let us know if you have any questions to direct at Adam's story regarding Humana Vitae or Marilyn regarding natural family planning. They both have some insights there. So, um, you know, lots, most people accept contraception as kind of a given in modern sexual relations. And just about every Christian church and denomination today believes its use is acceptable, um, but not the Roman Catholic Church. So we're going to hear a little bit about that and how that all got started. Before that, though, Marilyn, will you lead us in a prayer? Absolutely. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Please pray with us as we pray the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Got a few fun things coming up. We've got the Iowa Catholic Radio Wine Collection Party coming up on August 2nd at Market One on the rooftop. So if you want to join us, bring a bottle of wine and come for some fun. That's going to be a blast. It's coming up quickly. I'm actually going to be on vacation, so I'm going to miss that. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. But Marilyn and I are going to take our families to Steamboat, so we're not going to be here right away. But <laughs> <laughs> and then also August 19th, uh, excuse me, 9th through the 19th, of course, is a state fair coming up. If you would like to help us out at our Iowa Catholic Radio booth, we are looking for volunteers still. And then August 23rd is Trivia Night at St. Pius. If you want to buy a table or come join a table, go online and sign up for that at iowacatholicradio.com. I am looking forward to that. Um, Julie and I are going to have a table there with our husbands and a couple other couples. And so we look forward to seeing you out there if you can join us. And then I'm so excited. I hope my son Joel is listening. Every once in a while he listens in while he's at work. And I need to say happy birthday, my son Joel. It is a blessing to have you. About 10, 17 in the morning you were born. So, you know, you got you got about an hour and 17 minutes before you were actually here. But <laughs> as we're going to be talking about conception and really your your life has was begun even nine months before that. But happy birthday. So. Happy birthday, Joel. Happy birthday. We could sing to you, but I won't. <laughs> Marilyn, maybe you could, but I, I, let's not today. No. <laughs> oh, we need to say thank you to Cindy Schulte of Farm Bureau Financial Services for underwriting Catholic Women Now. 
As an authorized independent agent, Cindy and her team provide health insurance options from Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield. And she just does a great job of making insurance simple for you and making you feel like you're a friend when you sit in her seat. And um, she will just help you make things a little bit simpler when you're looking at health insurance. So you can find Cindy on the web at cindyschulte.com or by calling 515-226-2111. Well, we have Adam's story, as I was saying, in the hot seat with us today to talk about Humana Vitae. Adam is a the, excuse me, Diocesan Director of Marriage and Family in our Diocese, and uh, he's just got a wealth of information that he's going to share with us, I'm sure. Good morning, Adam. Good morning. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so fun to have you in with us. Tell our listeners um, what Humana Vitae is, and maybe even what an encyclical is, because I know years ago, I didn't even know what an encyclical was. Yeah, absolutely. So Humana Vitae, uh, yesterday we celebrated its 50th anniversary Mm -hmm. on July 25th. Mm -hmm. And this was an encyclical, and an encyclical is basically a teaching document from the Pope. So it's uh, something that uh, the Pope uh, prepares and and gives to his church as as a form of instruction and and an exercise of his leadership uh, in the church. So this was issued or promulgated by Paul VI, uh, Humani Vitae was interesting because it it began, this was an anticipated document. We were looking forward to it. It began even before Paul VI uh, with St. John Twenty-Third, who put together a commission that actually wasn't meant to, although it became this, it wasn't meant to evaluate the church's teaching as such, but more was, you know, in the uh, uh, kind of as a part of the Second Vatican Council and that movement in the church to say, how do we present the church's teaching on on uh, contraception, on reproductive health? How do we present this to the modern world? What do we need to say uh, to address new opportunities, new challenges, uh, what we have before us? So, and I understand that the majority of the commission expected. Um, Pope Paul to come out with something that agreed with what all the other churches were saying, all the other Christian ch- denominations about how, yep, it's fine. It's, it's not sinful to have contraception. Yeah, so, and when John the Twenty Third started the commission, it was a smaller group. Now, Paul the Sixth expanded that. He added uh, uh, lay people. He had added secular experts, religious mm-hmm. experts, theologians, uh, uh, bishops as well. And he, he put together this commission and asked them to study how do we pass on this message. Well, the commission went in a different direction and really really went in the direction of let's look at the church's teaching in itself, uh, see if there's an opportunity uh, to change what the church teaches. And it became a bit controversial because um, reports were leaked to the press. The majority of reports said that the church ought to change her teaching, that the church ought to uh, follow the way of many Christian denominations, and that change began in the 19 uh, in 1930 and so it had been going on for about wow. 38 years yeah, the catholic church moves very slowly studies things closely yeah absolutely wow. and and uh so that the majority of reports said uh, uh we might want to change our teaching at mm. this point in time there mm. was a minority report mm-hmm. uh, that said no the church ought to stand firm and uh, uh paul the sixth who's going to be a saint uh later this year to his credit uh, he recognized that, you know, even uh, the truth is not a popularity poll, uh, even if the majority of people are saying uh, that we ought to try to disregard the truth or change it. Uh, no, we can't do that. And and very heroically, and he really uh, lived a sort of martyrdom after releasing that encyclical. 
because it was not well received uh, in many areas. Uh, but he stood by the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was persecuted for it. Mm. Um, and it was, it was a cor- courageous, uh, and as we might talk about, it was prophetic as well. Which is, again, why he was canonized, or going to be canonized in October. Well, he's a he's a saintly man, and mm-hmm. he lived uh, truly a life, a heroic life, uh, in a lot of ways. You know, with Humanae Vitae, with implementing uh, the Second Vatican Council, uh, with a lot of the things that he did, uh, he was he was a courageous, wow. a saintly, uh, uh, a prayerful man, and and so, yeah, he's a he's a great example in the church of of just strong leadership. Mm-hmm. Our world's um, contraceptive contraception mentality doesn't really promote authentic relationships, healthy marriages. Um, the secular world, really, uh, sex is kind of more of a form of entertainment, it seems, and um, just doesn't want to be troubled with real relationships, kind of with this hookup culture and all that is going on. And it certainly, you know, it doesn't necessarily always promote responsible parenting, I think. Um, but this mindset is exactly what Pope Paul VI predicted in Humana Vitae. And so tell our listeners a little bit about what some of his predictions were. I know there were four predictions and whether or not they were realized. Well, yeah, this is an interesting part of Humanae Vitae, and I would definitely encourage, I would encourage listeners, it's actually a very short encyclical, uh, so I'd encourage listeners to read the whole thing, but especially paragraph 17. Uh, and you got to remember the context of 1968 uh, when this was released. Now, uh, this was a tumultuous time, to be sure. Uh, there was a lot of cultural changes going on, to be sure. Uh, but still, in 1968, the family uh, was relatively stable. Uh, divorce rates were relatively low. Uh, and as artificial contraception came out, uh, especially the uh, invention of the pill, the hormonal pill, mm-hmm. uh, many people promoted the pill with very good intentions. You know, they thought uh, in promoting the pill, we're going to create stronger marriages. Uh, we're going to create more stable uh, families. We're going to create uh, a better ability to enjoy and to respect each other and to grow in unity in the sexual act. And Paul VI, uh, in, in 1968, predicted, you know, if you separate the procreative and the unitive elements of sex, if you pull those things apart, which is what the pill does, uh, it's not going to enhance relationships. It's not going to enrich marriages. In fact, the opposite's going to happen. He talked about the degradation of women. He talked about the breakdown of marriage, marriages and families. He talked about eventually even the possibility of government coercion, that if we decide that it's best for people to not have children, then the government could coerce them uh, in not allowing them to have children. And we're seeing that in countries around the world, like uh, China. We've, we've seen it all. We've right. seen every one of those elements. Uh-huh. Um, and it's important to remember that when people were advocating for the pill, they were very sincere in in what they thought were going to be the positive effects. Uh, But we can simply look at the last 50 years and say, have any of these categories proven true? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And none of those benefits have occurred. In fact, precisely what Paul VI predicted is what we've seen. So so we ought to revisit that document to say maybe he was on to something. Mm You know, I, I would love to see that get out in some kind of mainstream media so that everybody gets to read it, just those four predictions alone. You know, so that people can already see what has been happening to, you know, women. And, and it, you know, it's not just women, but women and children are affected, of course. Wow. Um, so NFP kind of reminds us that our sexuality is meant to be a gift of self. Let's talk a little bit about NFP. 
Yeah, well, natural family planning, and, and as we talked about it, natural family planning is, is it's not the end in itself, but it's a means to an end. It's, it's a tool uh, that helps foster uh, the end in itself, which is uh, an integrated, a healthy sexuality, a sexuality that's lived in any state of light with chastity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and chastity is a virtue. Chastity is about our sexual desire, our sexual actions, conforming and integrating uh, to what we're called to be as a person. And as a person, we're called to make a Mm -hmm. self-gift, to live acts of love. And when we're chaste, uh, everything corresponds to that reality. So uh, our sexuality, our sexual relationships, uh, our our attitudes, our dispositions, all of that is oriented towards that self-gift. Okay, let's back up, though. Tell our listeners how you mean chastity. What do you mean by chastity? Because uh, people all have different ideas of what that looks like. Yeah, that's a good question. So chastity, it's more than just uh, uh, abstaining from sex at mm-hmm. certain points of time mm-hmm. or engaging in sex at other mm-hmm. points in time. What chastity truly is about is about this integration. Chastity uh, is a virtue, which means it's a habit. It's a skill that's learned and practiced and developed over time. Now, it's sort of a... a a sub-virtue of, of temperance, actually. And, and so what that means is that it's about sort of uh, uh, governing our desires or moderating our desires, uh, again, so that they're, that they're fruitful, that they're, they're lived out in the right ways. Uh, we can think about this with other desires that we have. Uh, eating food is a lot of fun. It's delicious. We get pleasure out of mm-hmm. it. Uh, but in order to live a healthy life, we have to practice temperance when it comes to eating. Uh, to not have temperance would be to be a glutton or, or, you know, some other disordered desire towards food. So we eat healthy. We eat right. Uh, uh, we eat in moderation. And we're able to, in a healthy way, enjoy the pleasures of eating. Right? So a couple years ago, we had a guest on. Um, her name was Arlene Spensley, and she has a book out called Chastity is for Lovers. Okay. And she talked about how... Chastity really, truly is something that we can look at in whatever vocation in life we're in, you know, whatever stage of life, whether we're single, married, um, priest, sister. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if it is this virtue that's about integrating all of our actions towards a self-gift, towards Mm -hmm. acts of love, Mm -hmm. uh, then it's not just for single people or married people or anything like that. Everyone is called to be chaste. Now, as a husband... Uh, I'm called to a particular form of chastity, uh, that my actions are oriented towards the love of my spouse, uh, primarily in our marriage. Uh, And then those acts of love kind of reverberate in all my relationships, in every relationship that I have. Uh, A priest or a religious is called uh, in their sexuality. You know, uh, to be celibate isn't to deny your sexuality. Uh, To be celibate is to live that out in a different way. But again chastely integrating that so that all of their actions are lived as acts of love, as acts of self-gift. So a priest is called to be chaste, a religious person is called to be chaste, a single person is called to be chaste, all in different ways. Uh, But the unifying theme is that integration towards love, so that everything I do is that expression of love. And you and Kara, and Marilyn, I know you and Joe both both you couples practiced NFP. Mm-hmm. How did you see that fostering, um, that tool fostering 
chastity in your marriages? Well, I look from, uh, you know, and I was reading through this Humana Vitae, and I, one of the uh, phrases that stood out to me really strongly is it says uh, this using NFP is a wise and provident institution of God, the creator, whose purpose is to affect in all people his loving design. And I think what what is more of a loving design than being fully immersed in the relationship that you committed yourself to, along with unifying yourself as a couple to God. Because we hope that children will come out of that naturally, but if not, even through adoption, again, it turns the focus of any sexual desire that might be lustful, which would be sinful. It turns that sexual desire, but it also turns the intimacy aside from the sexual part, but sensual. All of the intimacy is toward the relationship between the married couple. And you know, it's interesting because you think, well, when I'm married, you know, lust, mushed, you know, what? Can't, can't, can it all be there? You know, you're married now. It's all legal. It's mm-hmm. all licit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of us think that it's everything's safe once you're married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Marilyn, what you said that I appreciate it, I think it points out a distinction of attitudes that in the secular culture, our sexuality is, uh, we approach it with this sense of what can I get out of it? You know, what can I get from the other person? What can I take? What can I get out of it? And when we approach anything in life, including our sexuality, with this me, me, me attitude, mm-hmm. uh, we're always disappointed because uh, that's not what we're made for. So we'll never get what we're looking for. But what NFP does, and it starts, NFP is primarily about our fertility and, and about health as well, but uh, it's not what can I get out of it, uh, but c- how can I properly use the gifts that I've been given? So it's sort of a stewardship approach instead of a mastery approach. It's about being a self-gift to your spouse. Being that gift and, and yeah, being open to what has been received. And that's a fundamentally different attitude that my sexuality isn't just about what I can get out of it, but my sexuality is something that I've received, Mm -hmm. something that's been given to me. And I have to respond to that in a, in an integrated, in a holistic, uh, and in a generous way. Uh, and that's the way, that's the way where we experience true joy. And that's where you see blessings and virtues come from something like NFP, which isn't easy, I know. Although I, w- I would note to our listeners that in my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, it's 98% effective when it's used correctly. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, and, you know, there's multiple methods of NFP, but they've all, uh, I'll say all the the properly studied and properly developed methods uh, show extraordinarily high success rates. I usually, when used properly, it's usually somewhere between 97 and 99% effective. Uh, But what it does, uh, beyond just its ability to postpone or its ability to achieve pregnancy, uh, it helps couples develop Mm -hmm. self-mastery. We talked about it helps them develop self-mastery so that they can properly orient their desires Uh, And also, as we talked about the other day, it it promotes communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, These intimate and and important conversations about, you know, their hopes, their goals, where are they at, what is God calling them to. Mm -hmm. Uh, These conversations are vital, uh, and NFP helps those conversations come about contra to contraception, which 
makes those conversations uh, superfluous. We don't need them. And you know what I found? Um, Jill and I took a class on couple, the Couple to Couple League um, version of NFP. And what I was just so impressed with was it actually can be very romantic when you start treating it all as a, a self-gift mm-hmm. because you're both um, – you're both planning together. I just found it to be beautiful in that way. You know, I'd wake up in the morning and my husband would stick the thermometer in my mouth when the alarm went off before I got out of bed. You know, I'd be like, oh, I mean, to me, it was just a thoughtful mm-hmm. gesture every morning. You know, mm-hmm. I was just impressed. You know, we talk, Joe and I are sponsor couples. And, <laughs> excuse me. We talk a lot about this to our couples. And, you know, we feel like... I don't want to be that that old lady who, you know, they they look at us and go, oh, it's going to be that talk, right? <laughs> but that is how it is. Sometimes it feels like we're going to have that kind of talk. And so we don't start the talk that way. We actually talk about um, sexuality, really, like you said, as a gift. And it's it's, you can tell this mental spin. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, their perspective is very different, and the focus isn't on, oh, we should probably refrain from sex, that's what they're going to tell us, but instead, no, we should focus on respecting our bodies, respecting ourselves, allowing God truly to mitigate and work in our relationship. We are in cooperation with God in our relationship, and if we do that, this this just makes sense. This goes to the very foundation of what relationships are all about, and that is at least Catholic relationships. Uh, it bringing God in and allowing God to guide us, and so we trust Him one hundred percent, which mm-hmm. is hard to do. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it might mm-hmm. be hard to do, um, but there are other really fantastic ways then that we are open to intimacy with one another. Just great hand holding. Great conversation, uh, really gazing into the eyes of your your husband, your wife, and getting to know the the heart of that person. It's fantastic, and yeah. opening it all yeah. up to prayer. Mm-hmm. I love the gazing into the eyes. I know I, I took a theology of the body class, and they talked about mm-hmm. intimacy. Instead of saying intimacy, think of it as into me see. Mm. That's one thing I just did not forget. I thought into you really do see into somebody's soul when you really look deeply into somebody's eyes. Well, you're listening to Catholic Women now. This is Chris Magruder, and I've got my sub in, Marilyn Jerome, for Julie Nelson. And we are speaking with Adam Story, um, Diocesan Director of Marriage and Family, about Humana Vitae, where um, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of that encyclical. What I'm curious from you, too, is practical side of NFP. What were the joys? What would you say your spouse, you know, some of the blessings and joys, just practically speaking, Marilyn, you're talking about the hand-holding. What, what are a couple other things to uh, maybe encourage p- listeners out there who are considering this? Uh, well, you know, there are a lot of joys and there's a lot of benefits. I, I sort of think about natural family pr- planning and the practice of it uh, sort of in some ways like I, th- I used to be on, in high school, I was on the wrestling team and all the practices and the, the work that we would do to prepare for, you know, to be a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those practices, uh, sometimes they're fun, but a lot of times they're hard uh, and uh, they're difficult and there's challenges. And you do this work day in and day out, and eventually it, it sort of trains you to be, uh, to master that skill that you're seeking. You know, in, in high school it was wrestling. Uh, NFP can be hard work. It's demanding. It's sacrificial. 
uh, you know, you have to abstain at times when you don't want to abstain and things like that. Uh, but that kind of day in and day out grind, that struggle, those sacrifices, uh, it prepares us for something that's truly excellent. It prepares us for something that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in wrestling, if you win a tournament, uh, there's a certain joy that you don't get to experience if you haven't done that. Mm-hmm. You don't get to experience that joy if you haven't put in that mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and NFP is sort of like that. You know, when every day, day in and day out, Kara and I get to see each other sacrifice for each other. We get to see each other put each other first to say, hey, this is what I desire, but it's not what's best for us. So maybe this isn't the right time. And there aren't there other ways to... Um be romantic with yeah, each other. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so it, it it really fosters a depth of love that I just I don't think you get to experience if you don't put in that work, if mm. you don't you know go through that time. I would also add to that too, just from a, a very practical standpoint. And again, this might be a secular standpoint, but it really fits in with the theology of the body concepts that. Getting to know your body in that way, it's so interesting to me that I went through college, I went through graduate school, and I went through the NFP course and went, huh? How come (laughs) nobody told me that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been living with myself forever, and there are things I did not know. And we got out of the first class, and I remember looking at my husband going, this is fantastic, (laughs) right? We're doing this. It was great. Oh, wow. Well, that's a good way to, to start closing out the show here, Marilyn. Uh, thank you. For, thank you for that. Uh, Adam, really quickly, we are, we're coming to the end here. How, um, where can we find out more about NFP or what is going on with uh, the celebration of the 50th anniversary in our diocese real quick? Well, we've got a lot of stuff posted on our Facebook page, uh, Des Moines Marriage and Family Life Office. Uh, you can check out our website, but another great website for resources on NFP is just naturalwomanhood.org naturalwomanhood.org is some great stuff okay well thank you Adam thanks for being in the studio with us in Maryland thanks for being with us as well my pleasure Uh, we need to say thank you also to Fred J. Haas Law Offices he is an experienced Iowa attorney who we just love he's a great friend man of high integrity Um, you know he will come to your home if you need help if you can't get to him he'll come to you and He's great about returning phone calls and providing comprehensive legal representation in all aspects of a case. If you need somebody like him, his uh, number is 515-256-6301, or you can find him online, com. I think we'll close out in prayer here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wisdom, this gift of Humana Vitae, this gift of natural family planning. We ask, Lord God, that you open the minds of all of us listening today and those who need to be touched with NFP, that we might be blessed with not only this healthy gift for our bodies, but also for our souls and our families. And we thank you again, Lord God, in Jesus' holy name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Iowa Catholic Radio Rosary is next. Thank you for listening, and please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Iowa Catholic Radio as we continue to teach, evangelize, and defend our Catholic faith. Now go do impossible things with God. Talking about the things that matter most to you. Today's Catholic Women. 
Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris Magruder is underwritten by Fred Haas. Over 30 years helping injured Iowans recover losses from accidents and work-related injuries. Fred Double D, Haas Double A. And Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, a licensed representative of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. CindySchulte.com. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris Magruder every Thursday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. On the radio voice for Catholic Women Now. 1150 a.m., 88.5 FM, and 94.5 FM. And on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Iowa Catholic Radio. Radio. 